Jordan and Jake. Powered by Ortho Carolina. The home stops. He throws it across field. Guess who? Jordan Gross. Here are your Panther Hall of Honor members, Jordan Gross and Jake DeLome. Hey, Panther World. Welcome to the Jordan and Jake podcast. I'm Jordan Gross, your host. With me is my good bud, Jake DeLome. Jake, how you doing, man? I am doing very well. I might not sound the greatest, but trust me, I am doing very well. Yeah, what's wrong? You sound, I, I have I energy, don't know. which is odd for this time of year, and you sound like you're down and out. Is it because we lost? No, I, what's going on? I, I've got energy. It's just I had a little, you know, a little allergy type deal for whatever reason, but I'm all good. <laughs> I, I've got plenty of energy, Jordan. All right, good. Well, there's a million ways to go, Jake. You know, it's a little later in the week, but I, we always like hitting on the game. You got Philly coming up, big big signing this week. Um, now, how was that game, Jake? So let's get right into it. So that well, we were three and zero, right? So let me let me tell you, let me build up this uh, breakdown that you're about to do. We were three and zero, and people were pretty excited about the Panthers, right? You and I, on and off the air, said that yeah, we're three and zero, but it wasn't. Two home games, right, with teams that were rookie quarterbacks, first-year head coach in the Jets, and then beat up like crazy and on the road full-time with the Saints. And then at Houston, which you said last week was just not much of a vibe, an easy away game against a rookie quarterback. So this was our first test, a real away game, full crowd, Jerry's World, all that. Didn't go the way we wanted. How was it uh, sitting in it live, Jake? Listen. First, second, and fourth quarter were not bad. The third quarter just it wasn't it wasn't good. I uh, I, I love the way we came out, the way we played. Both teams really uh, did a decent job in the first half. I mean, we're we're up by one, uh, 14, 13. and look, let's be honest. One of the touchdowns that Dallas did score on, they that possession should have ended on a fumble recovery uh, right around midfield for us because. They ruled Dalton Schultz was uh, forward progression had stopped, which yeah. I don't think anybody in his right mind would ever think that the forward progression was stopped on that particular play. But they made the call. They scored, and it's 14-13 and feeling pretty good because Dallas is a pretty good football team, man. And come out in the third quarter, we get a drive going a little bit. They start kind of dialing up the pressure a little bit more, and we attempt a field goal. and. Uh, from we couldn't see it at the time zane did make of uh um kind of a hand gesture like he was tipped and the ball might have been deflected a little bit and he just missed it uh dallas had good field position next thing you know we're down by three scores dallas just kind of went on a run pretty quick so uh third quarter was a little rough for us jordan it was a little rough uh sam darnold continued to run the ball into the end zone as you know set a record for most touchdown rushing touchdowns by a quarterback in the first four games of the regular season with five which nobody maybe joe brady but nobody saw that coming so that's an interesting element to his game but he had some turnovers this game the o-line 11 hits on qb with five sacks given up and everybody always every o-line on every team every every fan base and everybody likes to talk about upgrading the o-line so we're no different to that but i think you know that's something i'd like to get into a little bit but the defense gave up 245 yards rushing jake which was like 
that's bad no matter who you are. But when you're the number one ranked defense after three weeks, that really hits them hard. So where where's the biggest issues, Jake, and what needs to be corrected moving forward? Well, I think there's a couple of things. And, you know, you try to listen to watch the game live, first of all. Then you, you listen to the press conference. I know for me on Monday, I hear what Coach Rule has to say and listen to the, some of the defensive players after the game, a Sunday and then again on Monday. Um, a lot of it they felt were many things they, that were brought upon themselves, like uh, some about um, gap where they where they fit in their gaps, some of the scheme fits um, and things of that nature. And then Coach Rule, I, I think you briefly touched on something in regards to, and we're gonna we're gonna get to the trade, but talking about positionless players, and he likes positionless players, but having two new secondary defenders because of J.C. Horm and, and Justin Burris being out, you know, Chin had to come down a, a whole lot more into the box, whereas he had been playing more so the safety. And so it just it just seems like it just wasn't a good day, to be honest, for us. We uh, and But give Dallas credit. This is a very good football team. Uh, they were a very good offense last year and, and the year prior with Dak. Uh, and you have Zeke, who's really running the ball hard, Pollard, and all those receivers. But the offensive line, they're getting some health back. They really did a good job. I have to give them credit. They used heavy personnel. They brought in 66, uh, Connor McGovern, I believe uh, is his name, uh, as another tight end slash fullback on plays. And they just kind of leaned on us. And uh, we didn't really have much of an answer, to be honest. And so naturally, you would anticipate we're going to start to see some of that going forward. Uh, the only difference this week, Philadelphia does not believe in running the football and doesn't run the football. So <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's going to change. But you know, Jordan, that's kind of what what I saw. And then offensively, we had a missed field goal and then two turnovers on back to back interceptions. Uh, one Diggs made a really good play, falling off uh, to to pick the ball off, and then the other one he just jumped the route uh, to DJ Moore. Uh, but he's a kid that's a second year kid that's playing extremely well. And the ball's finding him. And so we had a rough third quarter, but we made a run. We made a stretch back that we cut it to eight, and it's four minutes and 34 seconds or something like that. We have no timeouts left. But if we get another stop, I have no reason to believe that we're not going to go down and score and have an opportunity for a two-point to tie it. So this team fought back. I thought that was very nice because at one point in the latter part of the third quarter, I'm, I'm scratching my head, and I'm like, this is like, how are we going to stop this? We have no answer right now. There's, there's nothing we're doing to stop their running game uh, and our passing game. And there's nothing that we're doing offensively that we protecting wise or, and moving the ball down the field. But we made the switch and we made a little run. And, uh, and now it's on to this week. Well, I agree that the finish was great. It was awesome to see those points on the board and coming back and a little excitement at the end of the game. So now we'll move on. As you said, we'll move on to this week. I just, I want to talk, I really wanted, this isn't about last game. This is about O-line criticism in general. Okay. So no one's going to say that the O-line had an awesome game. There's a lot of factors that go into sacks and all that. I do have to take my hat off to Irving and Miller. I don't know how they feel personally, but it's been referenced enough by coach rule and others that they're banged up and still played every snap and, you and I both know how that goes. And once you're on the field, you're responsible for your how you play. And you're responsible for the film. But playing banged up, I know there's a shoulder and a knee in there now. Um, Irving has a neck injury as well. That's not easy to do. So hats off those guys. But why, Jake? Okay, I'm going to be a little sarcastic here if you can believe that or not. But why do fans 
automatically go to the O-line when there's ever a problem with a running play or whatnot. So let me give you a little example. Okay. So we, in my foot, you know, I'm coaching my high school team Friday night. We had, we set up our coach called a perfect time for a little running back slip screen. Okay, Jake. All right. Okay. So the, the left guard or the two guards in the center, you know, we run like a base protection, two guards in the center. Here's the count. Thousand one, thousand two, thousand go. We do it. We say it out loud every time we run this in practice. That's the count, okay? And then we're okay. supposed to set up at the ghost tight end. So, like, where the tight end was, that's where we all meet up and run the screen, okay? So we called in the game. Perfect call. They're blitzing the whole deal. Here's the back. Thousand one, thousand go. So, Jake, is that correct? No, that's not no. correct. It's supposed that's to go half the time. But then he drifts. Like all the way out to the numbers, Jake. And what happens? He gets he, he gets tackled for like a loss of two yards. The fan base in the stands, come on, O line, block him. <laughs> and I just want to know, like, we need to start a revolution, Jake, where we educate the people on what they should have said. There was, come on, running back, wait till three one thousand, then go to the ghost tight end. You know, I just don't think it's fair. I don't think uh, it's fair. But listen, maybe I'm just disgruntled as a O line coach right now. You, you're, you're very disgruntled. I hear you. <laughs> I get it. I understand it. This will never happen. And for as long as <laughs> you and I both live, as long as our kids will live, this will never happen because they're always going to blame the O line. Well, and we deserve blame the, a lot of the time, Jake. We definitely deserve blame a lot of the time, but unfair sometimes i think i i get it but but to go back to what you're we're hearing or whatnot about the o-line play i think a lot of it kind of started from week one sam got hit a bunch against the jets and you know coach rule called it out in the press conference we have to be better up front and we were better against the saints um and then we did a good job against the texans albeit we got hit a couple of times where lucky enough we recovered fumbles that when sam was hit uh the ball went on the ground but we did not lose them and so this week getting those five sacks against us and hitting sam as much as he did and um really a lot of times there weren't, weren't enough time so no i'm like you jordan I, f I feel for these guys they're battling through injuries yeah we we don't truly know what they're battling through so uh this is thursday thursday when we're recording this so uh, cam did not practice yesterday irving will he be back at practice that, that, that's what we don't know so is there going to be a shuffle along the offensive line and if that's the case then then where do these pieces fit going into uh this weekend's game against the eagles so there might be some shuffling along the line we just don't know that yet and we might not know till game time what would that shuffle be you think jake so that, that's, that's the other that's, thing that's, is like, what? That's yeah, a great question. I think the question is this, is Trent Scott slash Brady Christensen, will they play left tackle-ish? Does Dennis – or, or is it the big move? Does Taylor Moten go from right tackle to left tackle? Because he See, did. I think he don't, uh, did. He I did, but that's, you don't that's mess, the big move. Don't mess with two spots to fix one. That's what my, my O-line philosophy is. And by that, I mean – if you move Taylor to left tackle, now that's a new move. And then if you put Trent Scott or whoever in at right tackle, now that's a new move. So now you got both sides of your O-line operating with new marriages. To me, you just fix it with one move. So if Cam can't play, is it Trent, is it Brady, who knows, that goes in at left tackle. And then at least you know your right side 
is is happy and health you know health, as healthy as we can be but is a better right side so we'll see i did i did find it inter- funny that um so let's kind of let's segue a little bit into the gilmore trade okay so obviously if most panther fans know stefan gilmore uh came in and is is was traded from the patriots sixth round pick in 2023 um i'll let you talk about it at length and what it means jake but i just thought it was awesome that he's neighbors with fitterer our gm and david newton asked fitterer if he has any other neighbors that can play left tackle <laughs> <laughs> and I fitterer did. said he'll go asking around at halloween so i thought that that was good just humor by david newton who you and i've both known a long time the espn beat reporter and uh fitterer Kind of had some fun with that as well. But talk about the trade, Jake. I think that I think it's awesome. There's been so many years as a Panther player, Panther employee, Panther fan, where there was a free agent out there that you just kind of knew we weren't going to go after. And to see this ownership group, this this front office group be aggressive in free agency and trading and all that stuff, I love it. What does it mean for the rest of the cornerbacks, Dante's in the contract year, man. We can talk about all that stuff. But what were your thoughts initially? Well, when I saw that yesterday, I was unbelievably happy because losing J.C. Horn, and I felt that last week, I just – that was a huge loss because Dante Jackson is playing fantastic, not only coverage-wise, but watching him come up and make tackles in the run game, I saw it against um, against the Texans a couple of times, and then also against the Saints. Coming up and tackling Kamara like twice in that football game, you don't just come up and tackle Alvin Kamara. Uh, that's hard to do. And I watched him do that, and I just I just think he's just so young and talented and really maturing. So I loved it. J.C. Horn gets hurt. We get Gilmore. Yes, he won't be back until the Giants game. He's coming off of a quad injury. I get it. But this is how I looked at it when I saw it. One, he's a hell of a player. Two years ago, defensive player of the year in the National Football League. The guy is not only a good player on the field, he is highly, highly football intelligent. And Bill Belichick has raved about his intelligence. And you've just heard that over and over again. So this is what I'm looking at. J.C. Horn, yes, hopefully he comes back this year. I'm not sure where that stands. But you have J.C. Horn. You have Dante Jackson, who, what's like 24 years old, 25 maybe, still young, knows a lot, but still young. Then you get C.J. Henderson, a top 10 pick the year prior, who we just got. So you're going to get this grown man veteran in the, in, in the room. And, and we're talking about Jeremy Chin. I mean, Chin's still a baby in, in football years. So you get this veteran that can come in there show them how he takes care of his body, how he watches film, how he breaks down film and things of that nature. And then probably how he's going to play. I think that is going to have a a far reaching effect over the whole organization as a whole, one on the field and and two off the field that I think whatever happens after this year, it's going to help us moving forward. Uh, That's what I enjoy about that trade. Uh, I think it feels a need for us right now. And I just think it's a win-win. Yes, I understand he's getting paid $5 million or whatever it may be, but uh, he's coming, in essence, home. He gets to play here. He's going to want to put a good product out on the field because he'll be a free agent at the end of the year. So I just think it's a win for us, and I like that aggressive nature. And I don't know if you know this, Jordan. Um, David Tepper probably did well in the real world by not kind of 
sitting on his hands. I think he's very aggressive <laughs> by nature. So, but I think with Tepper and then Fitterer coming from Seattle, where they are just a trade machine, come time draft time and things of that nature. So, uh, it, it seems like it's a it's a match made in heaven. And I'll be honest with you, I think Matt Rule coach anybody any any position anywhere as long as they're a good football player. Just give him good football well, players. We're going to coach him up, put him in a play, uh, 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 an area to succeed. Uh, Fitter also said in the conference, re- um, revisiting all this, that we are in a healthy financial. We're very healthy financially, and that is refreshing to hear. That there's a good plan. The economics of all that. It's funny, like you think about winning the championship, you don't think about like an economist being a part of that or an accountant. You know what I mean, Jake? But to finagle all these numbers and get players in and push you know, cap hits forward and, and prorate things, man. It's a real, real talent. And it seems like we got the right people in, in front of us for doing that. Um, with Gilmore coming to the Panthers, Jake, you know, there had to be other suitors. And I was listening yesterday to, uh, after I dropped my kids off at school, I was listening to NFL radio and the Charlie Weiss on there. And he's like, Gilmore's plane is he's already on the plane down to Tampa. He said, or <laughs> they're sending the private plane up. Tom Brady's, up there recruiting him to come down it's a done deal right so i was like you know that makes sense everybody wants to follow tom down there so having gilmore it's a trade right so he didn't get the choice but he's got to be they had to have spoke to his agent and everything about like how how does this feel you know what do you think about all this and and for him to come home how much does it have to do with him being a rock hill guy you know living in charlotte already having an off-season home here uh, you know what does that say well i i, I think I, ha- I would have a feeling Gilmore has been watching the NFL. And besides the one game last week, we have a young, energetic, fast, aggressive defensive football team, and especially up front. Well, as a cornerback, what do you want? You want somebody to get after the quarterback, hit the quarterback, make them have happy feet, make them get rid of the football quicker, and you don't have to cover as long, and there's opportunities to make plays. So, yes, I, I totally get the whole Tampa situation. I think everybody kind of gets that. But I don't know where their cap, uh, where they were cap wise about absorbing his contract and things like that. But he can come one home, two to a young football team, and and three, there's some talent on this football team, especially defensively. And so I think that was very enticing to him. And in hearing Federer kind of speak yesterday at his press conference, he alluded to that. The agent and um, stuff, uh, Gilmore was all. They were all in. They they thought it was a great opportunity. So, uh, I just I'm excited about it, man. Just to yep. just to get him out on that field with this defense. Gosh, it's going to help. And the reality could it be it could be a one year deal for. I mean, he could be gone next year. You never know. He could play awesome, and there's not room in the cap or in the plans, and he could be on to somebody else. You know, who knows what could happen? But the win now, yeah, it's great. Okay, Christian McCaffrey was at practice on Wednesday. Expect he'll be there. Thursday, as we record this, we don't know yet. How excited should we get with that news, Jake? Well, listen, yet again, will we know if he's going to suit up? Who knows? But at least he's out there already. Yeah. It's only a week and a half, two weeks um, since the injury. He's out, so he, at least he's progressing. But on the positive side, would I want him out there 100%? I thought Chuba Hubbard really ran the football well last week. Uh, I don't think that was an issue in us not winning the football game. I thought he really did a good job. I thought protection-wise, 
uh, the opportunities he had. I thought he stuck his face in there and did did a nice job. I think I think that will give him confidence going forward, uh, especially when Christian does come back. And not only Chuba, but the coaching staff confidence and that, hey, we can spell Christian at certain portions of the game, you know, to keep him extremely fresh as the game goes on and the season goes on. So I thought that was a positive for us. I really thought Chuba played some good football on Sunday. All right. Well, Jake, that's about it for us. We better wrap this up. But I want to talk about one of the most incredible moments in Panther history happened against Philly at home, much like this game this week. Okay. So it was in 2003. We ended up losing 16 to 25. We had 16. They had 25. And big fans of our show know that in the intro, you'll hear the play-by-play saying, DeLome rolls right, throws back. Guess who? It's Jordan Gross. That's in our intro. Okay, Jake? That play yes. happened at the end of the Philly game in 2003. So we were down, right? We were down nine. So we can't win. There's no way we can win. But last play, we were, what was it called? LA Express? Is that right? I was, that was going to be my trivia question to you. What was yeah. the name of L- the play? But you, LA you got Express. it. Nice, Jordan. So we would nice. practice LA Express. And it was just like, you know, one of those plays where at the end, you just keep throwing the ball and laterally get at everything. And all of us linemen, our job, I don't know how, how did this happen? Cause, oh yeah, I know how. So our job was to, we went, what happened? You would snap it and you would throw it to like a receiver to your left. Is that correct? Yes. And then we yeah. would try to like and then we back to Steve, kind of. Yeah. And then the O-line would all go right and we yes. would block for somebody. Was it you? <laughs> Is that what would happen? Maybe. I, Some, I, somehow gosh, we didn't. I don't remember. But we were able to keep this play going, and everyone was so – that was what's fun about that 03 team is, like, no one just thought, this is stupid, let's just be done. Like, we tried to score with no time left and down nine. Like, it's impossible feat that we could win. Anyways, somehow, throughout the course of that play, you are getting – you're on the other side of the field, and the defense is bearing down on you, and you need somewhere to go with that ball. And rookie Jordan Gross is standing on the other side of the field and you threw that ball. I'll never like. I don't remember a lot of plays, Jake. Like, there's whole games that you play so many games. Like, you just sometimes you don't even have recollection of you know stuff. But stuff sticks out. I'll never forget when I saw you turn and look at me, and I saw like eye contact. I was like, "Holy beep! He's gonna throw me the ball!" <laughs> and I caught it. You threw that thing. I somehow caught it. And thank God for media people because i've got a photo now jake of me holding that ball high and tight like kind of juking with looking like an athlete carrying a football in an nfl game it was, uh, then what happened i pitched it to ricky prole i think and you know that was the end of it nothing happened after that but that's yeah, one of the highlights but- of my whole career jake that was great, but jordan hopefully matt can get this pulled up and have it on the web so people can see the greatest thing about that play Kevin Donnelly with his big old taped up wrist and hands with those big gloves that he wears was so gassed at one portion of the play that he is bent over like with hands on his knees trying to catch his breath and the play is still going on. And then he looks back up and he continues to try to go on to the play. That's one, th- one thing that I remember he had in essence stopped and was trying to catch his breath and yeah, the play was still got- going on. After that, he got the pitch, and then he got yes. blown up. 
<laughs> then he got blown oh up God. after that. No, and but the that's a fun story because later in the year we beat Philly in a little vengeance game at at their place to go to the Super Bowl. So I just had to revisit that. Every time we play Philly at home, I think about that. So Jake, have fun on the call. Um, excited to listen to you. You guys are doing a great job. Spoke to Mick a little bit before we we recorded this podcast. He said he's having a blast with you. So uh, con- continue on, man, and uh, good luck with the call this weekend. Well, I appreciate it, Jordan, and uh, ain't uh, nothing better after a loss and uh, something that stings just to come back home and, and get a win, you know, especially against the NFC opponent and especially against, you know, the Eagles. That's a, a tough, gritty town football team fan base, so hopefully we'll have a lot of Panther fans there because Philly – they they all they often travel. They they're and they're pretty boisterous, some of the some of those fans. So hopefully we can get us a big win. All right, Jake. Have a good one. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Jordan and Jake, powered by Ortho Carolina. Your personalized orthopedic care begins with a click of a mouse. Schedule your next appointment online at orthocarolina.com. Ortho Carolina, your care, your way. Wow, <laughs>